Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. Today, we are talking about how awesome it is that we get to take underwear for granted and how one woman is at the hub of creating underwear for women in Kenya who may have never had underwear and most certainly do not take it for granted. But it's a lot more than just to talk about skivvies. We're talking about 100 Humanitarians International and what that means. But the question you'll want to ask yourself when this is over is, what is your Kenya? Stay tuned to find out what that means. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Story power serves you best when you know how to use it. Heidi Toten is a business strategist that creates programs and mentoring opportunities to help people transform their lives. We hear a lot of taglines like that on this podcast that Heidi does this through a unique way of meditating and writing that helps people create miracles in their lives. She calls it manifesting miracles. She is also the creator of 100 Humanitarians International, a nonprofit focused on economic development in Kenya, which includes teaching self-reliance and a whole lot of underwear. Today, I get to speak with her and I'm super excited to have her on the podcast. Let's get the real story and all the details from Heidi. Heidi, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you, Lori. That's so funny. It's so funny how you describe that because I never would have thought that, A, that I would ever be doing this, and I never would have thought that my name would be associated with underwear. Right. I was going to say, you might become the underwear queen. No, I am actually like giving that crown to my friend Marissa, who created the underwear pattern, and I'm just simply creating an underwear movement based (laughs) on her pattern. (laughs) That's kind of awesome. Who doesn't want to be the creator of an underwear movement? Right. Oh my, (laughs) that's a little scary. So thank you so much for having me on today. Absolutely. So let's go back a little um, backpedal. Tell us a little about you as a normal everyday person so we can get to know who you are before we get into some of these really fun and interesting things you're doing. Okay, sure. Um, Well, I am actually just a pretty average person. I am a mom with two kids and I live in a suburb of Salt Lake City and I've been married for almost 16 years. My kids are 14 and 12. Uh, I homeschooled them for five years and stuck them back into school last year, somewhat against their will, but they seem to have loved it uh, so that I could really focus and, you know, pursue what I want to do with 100 Humanitarians and with my coaching program. And so um, I've been at this in the entrepreneur world for the last 10 years and never in a million years thought that this is where it would end up, but isn't that always how it ends up? And I absolutely love what I'm doing every single day. And so I just count my blessings that, that I get to do this. Isn't that the best stories? You don't know where they're going to twist and turn and where they're going to end up. And that's the fun of the whole adventure, right? 
Absolutely. Okay. So in 2015, you went to Kenya and I'm assuming that experience really created a love for the area or the people. I'm not sure what happened there. So I'd like to know what seeds did that plant that then catapulted you into this movement and involvement with Kenya? Tell us what happened. Okay. Well, I have to jump forward a few months in how 100 Humanitarians International started. And that was because I had gone to Kenya. I kept thinking, all right, now that I've been there, now that my heart has changed, now that I know I want to do something, what is it that I want to do? And I just kept pondering and pondering and thinking about it and thinking about what skills I could bring to the country. My degree is in family science. And so I thought, well, that's a good start. I could actually work with families. And then one Sunday I got out of the shower and a voice said, go start a group on Facebook called 100 Humanitarians and I'll let you know why. And I'm not kidding. I, I stood there and I responded to that voice and I said, can I get dressed first? <laughs> Cause I was standing in a towel <laughs> And the voice said, just go do it. I mean, a little bit exasperated. So I picked up my phone and I started the group, 100 Humanitarians. And then from there, I realized that the question and the problem that, or the the question that really came to me was, what is the power of 100 people working together on any project in the world to create positive change? I had gone to Kenya because of peer pressure and because it was somebody else's project that I was joining in on. And I had no idea the impact that it would have. In fact, I didn't really want to ever set foot in Africa. That's kind of the funny part of this. But I did it because of peer pressure. And Peer pressure I, to do what? To go. But like, for, you know, for why? What did you do while you were there? Uh, it was a humanitarian trip. And our focus was teaching personal development in, we taught in, in schools mostly and a couple of churches. And so, um, you know, so I just was kind of tagging along. I mean, I, I wish that I had some big altruistic rah, rah, I'm out to change the world. But honestly, it was like, all right, it's a girlfriend trip and it's fun and my friends are going and it, it was very superficial. But my second day that I was there, I was sitting in a church in Western Kenya and I just had really, it was like a veil dropped and I knew that I was brought there for a reason and that I needed to pay attention to what I was going to experience. So when I got back, it was like, okay, my world has changed. It took me eight weeks to stop crying, mostly because I was so homesick. Because literally, as I drove to different places in Kenya, I felt like I was going home. And not just because the Maasai Mara actually looks a lot like central Utah, but because it was a feeling, you know? And I just said, I have been absolutely called to this place. And I've talked to so many people since then who have said things about the same thing about Haiti or Nepal or the Dominican Republic or Guatemala, that they say, this this place called to me. It really brought me home. I can tell you that I have heard that from numerous people as well. I had a friend um, who went to Saudi Arabia and had that same feeling like, I am coming home. Mm -hmm. And it was such a peaceful space. And, you know, I've heard it from other people as well. A a handful of times, not all the time, but a handful of times. And it's a really, really interesting phenomenon, especially um, hearing you say it again. Or I I wonder what that is. I wonder what 
makes us connect with places that are so far away that we've never been to before, and yet they feel like home. Do you have any idea? Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, I think it's that, um, you know, there is such power in a tribe or an indigenous group of people saying, we need help and their prayers are, please send the people who are meant to help us and that have the skills. And so, and I think that that's something that happens all over the world, that we're called to places and to people and to times and experiences because it's how we can best serve humanity. And so, you know, with me taking all of these random combined skills, my mom bought me a class for square foot gardening 10 years ago. And I was like, oh, great. But now I do it in Kenya, you know? So it's like, okay, well, that came in. And so it's, it's kind of, um, it's almost like an energetic pull uh, as people pull people into their lives. And that's part of, you know, what I, when I talk about manifesting miracles, like it's not just that I'm manifesting the miracles in my life, but it's the miracles that come from being willing to manifest experiences that are powerful. And so I so love that. That's I really beautiful. This experience. <laughs> Absolutely. So the idea is beautiful. The concept is beautiful. It's a little ethereal and um, and really, really powerful that we, through um, where we've been or what we can do or where our energy levels are, can create and attract experiences or be attracted to certain places or experiences or people. Absolutely. And we're all connected. You know, I mean, globally and individually, it's, it's you know, when I... When that question came to me, what is the power of 100 people? It shifted into, well, what is the power of one? You know, I mean, and there's so many references in history to 100 people going after the 99, the power of one, the 100th monkey, tribes. You know, I mean, you, you just, this is something that is well talked about. And it's just my way of implementing what I've been asked to do. And truly, it, it, it comes from deep in my soul that I think this is literally one of the reasons I was put on this planet was to do this work and to be able to help people see that they can do their work too. Otherwise, this would have started because, oh gosh, you know, I did a coaching program and I made a million dollars and so I started a nonprofit because I wanted to put some good out into the world. It didn't start like that. I'm not a millionaire. It started in the shower. I was in a towel. That's how we're all born. We're born naked in the world and we're put in a blanket. I'm like, I couldn't have been more vulnerable <laughs> when I started this. And so this, this, you know, so my message to people when I say, hey, what's your Kenya? Is what is something so powerful that you can start it from nothing and that the passion that you have for it really drives you to build and grow it without that oh, I quit, it's too hard. I don't have the luxury of saying this is too hard, ever. Okay, so tell me, did you find your 100 people and what, what is your Kenya? What does that look like? Yes, I did. Uh, after that shower scene, <laughs> I went back on a scouting trip and I started, I led my first expedition in June, May, May of 2016. So a little over two years ago. And since then, I've taken 122 people on 11 expeditions. To and do so, what? 
to do humanitarian work and to work with families. And we actually, there's four different areas that we work in. We have a Days for Girls Enterprise that we support, which sews reusable feminine hygiene kits and distributes them in workshops. We also sponsor 25 students in school that are primary and secondary children. And then we created a business box for families program. And the business box for families is an economic development box, so to speak, (laughs) metaphorical box that starts with a garden box. And we teach stewardship and we teach people how to plant stuff and grow stuff. It's that simple. And I say, you know what, just build the garden boxes and start there with all these families because it feeds them and it teaches stewardship. And because then they get their own ideas of entrepreneurship on how they can expand, sell the produce, eat the produce. And instead of buying produce, pay for school fees for their children. So we have a program where we teach these families how they can use these tools that we're giving them, which is really what it's all about is if you have mentors, tools, and resources then you can expand anything in your life and Kenyans are no different. And so as a life and business coach, I just simply said, okay, well, what are the tools and resources and mentors that I can give them? It doesn't look the same because they don't need what we have. They don't need huge personal development programs. They're trying to figure out how they're going to eat. They're trying to survive. They're at a different level of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Exactly. You know, the people who have come with me, many of them have gone on to create their Kenya, which is their passion and purpose. And they, they've come home and they've said, you know what, I really want to focus on this and I really want to help these people do this. And some people stay with us and say, nope, Kenya's my thing. I actually have um, about 20% of the people who have come with me have come with me more than once. And one 19-year-old in Twin Falls, Idaho has come with me three times to Kenya in less than two years. So this becomes their project and their purpose as well. And so as I'm accumulating my hundred, I'm also inspiring people to go and find their hundred. And 100 Humanitarians has been able to help launch and promote additional nonprofits um, in Haiti and that, you know, they're pursuing their, their passion and it's just, it's beautiful to watch. Share with me some of the examples of what other people have created that you've helped them through this mentoring and, you know, and launching them of, you know, what is your Kenya helping them with this concept? What are some of the other Kenyas? Um, So my friend Liz Stone, she launched Empowering the One. And when I got back from Kenya, I want to say it was my first or second trip, my first or second expedition she reached out to me. She didn't know me, but she saw me on Facebook. And I mean, we had been Facebook friends, you know, the kind of fake Facebook friends. And she reached out and she said, I need a mentor because here's what I want to do. And she had gone to Haiti, but she didn't know where to go next. I mean, and in terms of how to develop her program. And she was tied in with another organization that kept saying, oh, we want to support you in this. And she didn't feel like she should align completely with that organization. She kept feeling the pull to do her own thing, which is what happens, you know, and I've had people that have come with me that they felt the pull to do their own thing in Kenya. And I'm like, great, go and do, you know? 
So what did she do? What was she actually doing? She has actually created, she works with an orphanage in Haiti, and she has created a mentoring program that uh, mentors youth in life skills at this orphanage to prevent them from going into human trafficking. And so a lot of, um, a lot of what we do as well is human trafficking prevention through things like underwear. I know that seems strange, but, but all of these tools are to prevent these youth and these girls who have, who think that they have no other option. We interrupt that pattern and show, show them what other options they have. So tell me about the underwear. Let's talk about the skivvies. All right. Well, you know, uh, I've been working with Christine, who is our Days for Girls ambassador in Kenya for the last few years. So Christine actually is the Days for Girls story. She started her period when she was around 12 and didn't know how to take care of it. She was never taught. And so she would go and sit in a field and bleed and miss school. And ultimately continued to miss school to where uh, she had to drop out. And when after she dropped out, she was kicked out of her house and she ended up in the slums as a prostitute. She got pregnant when she was probably 13 or 14. She doesn't know exactly how old she is and had her daughter. And ultimately, because of her own miracles, and her own perseverance and sheer will to be something different and someone different, she gained sewing skills and started a sewing center in Nairobi. And when I met Christine three years ago, she was very quiet, very shy. Um, it, it's, the transformation is unbelievable. And we were able, through a, a network of us, we were able to fundraise to send her to Uganda to the Days for Girls University so she could learn how to sew the reusable feminine hygiene kits. And so then we started doing fundraising here. Instead of sewing our own kits, we fundraise here, send the money to Christine, because now she has a team of 12 that is so, that are sewing the kits. And so it creates that economic development and that she's supporting families as well as our objectives in Kenya. And my friend Marissa, who is a seamstress here, well, when Marissa came to me and she said, I want to create a pattern for Christine to make, I reflected back on Christine's story where she said to me, even if I had had pads, my underwear was so full of holes that they wouldn't it wouldn't have held the pads. And so I said to Marissa, what if you create an underwear pattern? We can teach these girls how to make their own underwear. And she said, I can do that. And then she thought as she was creating the pattern, well, we can't use elastic. They won't, what would they have access to, right? And so then I said, hey, could we use t-shirts? Like that 2010 5K race t-shirt that's just sitting in your closet that you wore once maybe, or that you've worn for painting, but what do you do with it? D Savers or DI or Goodwill, they can't do anything with it. So it ends up in landfills because they can't sell it to somebody else. So we we did an experiment and we did a sew-a-thon and we converted t-shirts into underwear. Now, some of these t-shirts had things like Mike Lee for US Senate and, or Congress, and 
SpongeBob and all sorts of really motivational phrases that were coming off of these t-shirts. So it, it became really fun as we were making the t-shirts to imagine that. And then there's a rescue center in Kenya that we've been working with and they have about 70 girls. And these are girls who have run from female genital mutilation and early marriage. So they've run from home so that they, they don't get married off. And so we have now been providing underwear to this rescue center. And it's been really fascinating to see the progress because as it's grown, what we realized is that we were creating an opportunity for people locally to really get involved because anyone can cut. This is a super easy pattern. And, you know, we've got some mad sewing skills here in Utah. And so this became something where we would be able to say, all right, come and serve locally and we're going to give globally. And then it went even further because we started, we used this to um, collaborate with organizations that are helping with suicide prevention. And then it becomes, all right, service versus suicide. If you've been impacted by suicide in your family, your friends, or if you're having suicidal thoughts, let us provide a place where you can come and where you are, we're building a community. Because the people that come and sew, we've had tattoos, we've had temple workers, we've had all walks of life. I mean, no matter, we're like, come as you are, bring your sharp scissors, bring a serger, and let's hang out together and do good in the world. So it's really been powerful and it's become this this kind of funny thing that, okay, well, come make t-shirt underwear. Oh, and then it goes even further because my friend Cindy Miller came to one of the sewathons and she said, hey, I have a thermal cooker that's made out of fabric. It's in a kit. You can take it to Kenya. You just have to stuff it for the thermal part. And I said, can we stuff it with the other t-shirt remnants, right? Because we still have some left over. And she said, yes. So we literally can recycle an entire old t-shirt into underwear and into the stuffing for a thermal cooker, which reduces the need for fuel, firewood, and the time it takes to cook. It's just crazy how these things come in. But this is the fav- my favorite part is to tell the story because people literally look at me and they're like, what? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? And I'm like, I know, right? Isn't it crazy? And it's so fun. I mean, it's so fun. I'm amazed at how many different things you have going on. Usually it's hard to focus on just one area and really excel at it. But this is um, just split and then split again and split again and has become so many different things. And yet they all kind of tie together in this same space of um, economic and personal health and protection and, and growth of these people in Kenya. And you know, it's what I realized that for me personally, that my story is the faith walk. My story is to tell the stories. And, and you know, I've always been a storyteller. I love telling stories and I love telling funny stories and inspirational stories. And so, so this faith walk of literally waking up every day and saying, okay, where is it going to lead today? Is it going to be underwear or thermal cookers or water filters? We were the distribution team for the water bearers organization in Kenya. Where's it going to go? Who's going to come into my world? Okay. So tell me some stories. I give me a couple specific stories about the people in Kenya as you have um, given them underwear or thermal cookers. Oh gosh, thermal cookers, you should see the look on their faces because they're kind of looking at these sacks. It's called a hope sack. 
And they're looking at these sacks. We've given five. We just did five in June to kind of test it out. And the, like the women literally scream. I have it on video because because their reaction is like, are you kidding me? I can soak a pot of beans, put it over a fire for 10 minutes, stick it in here, and I don't have to sit over a stove all day. And I, I can just walk away from it, really? I mean, there, it's just absolutely mind-blowing to them. And we're sitting here going, yeah, I can turn on a crock pot, right? So think of the comparison that we're blowing their minds with something that's made out of fabric that will save them time. And, you know, the whole world's talking about women's empowerment right? Like that's always the thing. What empowers a woman more than being able to create time in her life globally, right? That's universal. If we have time, that's empowering because it means we can do more. And so I tell people all the time, hey, women's empowerment in Kenya are sharp knives, vegetable peelers, cookers, underwear. Like these are the tools that they need in order to create more in their life, truly. And what Christine says, and she'll say it over and over and over again, she's like, underwear is dignity. Underwear prevents rape in Kenya. Because if a girl has underwear, it's a barrier of protection. And so that's women's empowerment. Well, and these ideas that you mentioned earlier of women trying to escape genital mutilation and trying and giving them options to interrupt the space of child prostitution or having to go into some of these um, these spaces that we in first world countries look at and are horrified by and think we have to do something to free women from these really horrible spaces and it seems big and it seems overwhelming and and culturally prohibitive because it you know such different cultural norms and situations and yet what you're doing something as simple as underwear and the creation of it and the the sharing of it um getting women out out of those spaces and changing it and shifting it that's amazing well thank you well i think so and honestly i I try to convey as much as possible that this has really taken uh, a Heidi village, you know? Uh, I never in a million years could do this alone. And here's the biggest laugh, that I have actually never hammered together a garden box in Kenya. That's not my strength. My strength is the organization and bringing people together. And then I, I really focus on letting people serve where they can shine and where their passion is. And, you know, for me, that's, that's the best story is that when I can help them identify what they really want to do and have those experiences, I like to tell people, I just create space for transformation. And that might be in Kenya, or it might be on my back deck, or it might be on a Zoom call. There's a, there was a book I read years ago called The 15-Minute Miracle. And the thing that I absolutely loved about it was this concept of with just a little bit of time every day when you're focusing on the things that you are good at, not, not being compelled to do things that are, that are outside of your expert zone, but things that you are good at. For instance, um, I was on the board of directors for CAPSA, which was an abuse um, the abuse prevention, rape prevention, um, the, the shelter up in Cache Valley. And I was really young compared to the other people on the, 
on the um, board. And I was wondering why I was there. You know, I don't have the connections with wealthy people in order to raise the money that the rest of them do. And I realized through this process of, you know, struggling with this question was that what I could do was I could write, I could write their letters, I could write their newsletters, I could communicate and contribute in that way. And it was such a relief not to have to raise money because raising money is something I I don't like asking people for money. That's an awkward thing for me. And it was a relief and so much more exciting and so much more enjoyable to do what I was good at. And so I've always... I've always really appreciated that book and that insight of how powerful it is when everybody is bringing their strengths to the table in order to create what they're here to create. And so great wisdom and and just that insight on what you're creating by letting people follow their bliss. Well, thank you. It's, it's all about the question, right? What is the power of a hundred on any project in the world to create positive change? So what's your Kenya? That's what I like to, well, first I like to say, do you want to go to Kenya? Which is kind of funny because they expect me to say, Hey, do you want to go to lunch? (laughs) And instead I say, do you want to go to Kenya? And then when they think about it and they're like, Oh, do I? I'm like, really? I'm just asking you, do you want to do what it takes in order to make the impact that you want to make? That's all I'm really asking. And so what kind of impact have you seen then? I, I would love to hear some stories about the, the underwear over there and, and what difference that makes. So you take a t-shirt, you recycle it, you make a pair. Can you get one pair or more pairs out of a, one t-shirt? Well, we can really get like a pair and a few other pieces, you know, because yeah, there's, okay. there's the main pair and then there's the liner and then there's the waistband. So we might be able to get a, a few liners and a few waistbands out of Okay. Uh, shirts. Um, so then you, you make them here, you get together in groups of people who sew and cut. I remember when I reached out to you, I said, I would love to help you with this, but I don't sew. And you're like, well, can you cut? I'm like, yeah, I can do that. (laughs) Um, so people just come to these groups, um, help put together these, these pairs of underwear, and then you ship them over or take them over. We take them over with our expedition team. And can I, Can I actually say that I think the impact is immeasurable because there's the impact over there, the recipients and the girls that that receive the underwear who are excited and they're excited to learn how to sew it themselves, which is great. But I think that the impact here is really powerful. We did a sew-a-thon. We're doing them every couple of weeks at Thrive Fitness in West Jordan. And I mean, bodybuilders at this fitness fitness center were putting down their weights and coming in and cutting underwear for girls. And I talked to one guy and he's like, you know, in this tank top that said, we'll lift for tacos. I love tacos. So I was trying to, you know, build that bridge with him and everything. And I said, I can't believe you stopped lifting weights to come and do this. And he said, It's just all about the service, whatever I can do to help. That is an impact that America needs, that we need on an individual basis is to know, you know what? I thought I was just going to go to the gym, but I ended up sewing underwear or cutting underwear that's going to go to girls in Kenya. And maybe I did a little bit more, just a little bit more. And I think that that's where in, in a world that needs hope, that's what I'm providing. You know, that's this whole organization just... I don't know. What is the power of a pair of underwear? I don't know. It's, it's, it has an impact on the person that donated the t-shirt. 
and the person that's going to end up wearing the underwear on the other side. And there's a whole pathway in between. So how can people get involved if they want to help you? Well, absolutely. Join our Facebook group. I believe in radical accountability. And whenever we do a fundraiser, whenever we're doing projects or expeditions, that's where we post the results of what we're doing. So there's a lot of information in there. Um, Coming to Kenya. I mean, I love taking people to Kenya and it's way easier than you think. So how do they get a hold of you? They can actually just go to 100humanitarians.org or they can... I'm really all over Facebook. If they want to just message me directly, Heidi Totten, T-O-T-T-E-N, they can find me super easily. I'm I'm really accessible. Um, I mean, if you Google 100 Humanitarians, you're going to get all the things. So um, how much does it cost to go to Kenya? Our trips vary, you know, uh, based on the time of year. And because there's high season, it's the number one safari destination in the world. And so, but average is about $2,500 plus the flight, which that covers basically everything once you land on the ground and it, all of your transportation, accommodations, food, all of that. Um, we don't pay for your souvenirs. We let you handle that. Uh, but it, it pretty much pays for everything. And I, and I have a whole uh, training process So when people come to Kenya with me, we start as a team, we determine our objectives within the four areas that we want to focus on. Uh, We assess the strengths of the team. You know, if if I'm taking a bunch of women, we're probably not going to be pouring concrete, you know, so it just, so our projects are based on that. How long of a trip is it? The trip is 12 days total, 10 days on the ground. And we do go on safari and we stay in places without bugs. Nice. Well, thank you for being here and sharing um, what you're doing over there, sharing how it can help. Um, Any parting thoughts? I would just like to encourage anyone that has that seed planted in them to serve, to not wait because they think that they have to have the resources to do it. I mean, if I can start with a, you know, wrapped in a towel and just start a group but I have that passion and that heart. This really is something anyone can do, honestly. I know that I'm vocal and that I'm outgoing and that I'm an extrovert and all of that, but I, you know, my friend Liz with Empowering the One, she's very quiet and introverted and she's still doing her passion. She's still following her heart and she is making a difference in lives. And it really is one-to-one. When we go over to Kenya, I say to people, find your one. Why are you here? Find the one person that you can connect to and have an impact on. And that's true everywhere we go. Well, thank you for what you're doing out there in the world. And thank you for the inspiration to others and for the difference you're making. We are all connected. So with everyone that every girl over there that you help, every family and woman that you help to learn how to grow their own food, that's just a phenomenal um, link in the chain of all of us. So thank you. You're welcome. And thank you for having me today. This is fun. And I always love to talk about it. We've had tremendous stories of people who are creating abundance and relief for people with less in different parts of the world on this podcast. Their stories are inspiring and interesting 
But I particularly love the question that Heidi comes back to for our, our own lives, which is, what is your Kenya? In our lives, there are things we're drawn to do. And what if we had a hundred people that we influenced, touched, helped, worked with, orchestrated their talents and gifts for the forward movement of the good that you feel compelled to do? It's, it's an interesting idea. I want to leave you with a challenge. Not that you have to find a hundred people for your Kenya, but to simply think about what your Kenya might be. Where do you feel inclined to create something meaningful in your life? And I, I also want to leave with a caveat that says, there are so many people like Heidi and like the um, Von Niederhausers that we interviewed earlier that are out there, um, Carmel Claremont, right? From the Claremont Care Center. People that are out there doing international work with groups of people who have less and, and need more and they're orchestrating this. And so often I, I feel like there, there might be pressure amongst us all that, oh, if we're going to be doing something, we've got to make some big movement like that. And while many people are capable and desirous to do that, that is not everyone's route. So I'm not saying that everyone needs to feel obligated to start a new international movement and get a hundred followers. If you're moved to do it, if you feel inclined, awesome. Great. What is your Kenya and how can you um, rally just a hundred people toward the one or focus just on the one? But also, I think that it's important not to feel overwhelmed with the concept, but to do good and to create in the space that you're in. We have random act of kindness groups that we use and get together and you know we spend an hour with whoever gets together on that group it's just a love your story thing whoever gets together for that random act of kindness night we spend an hour we go out and everybody splits up and does their own stuff then we come back and talk about what we've done and that's an hour out of your week and we do really fun and interesting things and it also as Heidi was mentioning is always a two-way thing it's Whoever gets the random act of kindness is touched, but there's really a lot of internal work that goes on with those of us that are doing it. Overcoming fear of rejection or overcoming um, doubts about if people are going to accept what we're doing, um, trying to decide, you know, overcoming any selfishness and opening up generosity and, you know, that internal work that goes along with it. So these kind of projects are very much two-way opportunities for growth, but they can be done on the, the micro level and on the macro level, whatever works for you, whatever speaks for you, and maybe you start small and go bigger, but they're things that we can work into the everyday way of living. And those types of things create connection and create growth and create different things in our stories that we can't even foresee. Like we were talking about earlier with Heidi, you don't know where the twists in the road are. You don't know where you're going to end up or what, what that next blind corner might hold for you. And that's the fun of it all. But those creations, those working actively to create good things through these small areas of service and serendipity and listening to your inclinations to do good and to love and to connect, um, makes an entire entire difference to the story that we're writing thank you for being here today go out there and live your best life story and create those spaces head to loveyourstorypodcast.com for contact information for Heidi and the 100 humanitarians international movement 
but also for 100 plus episodes of these types of inspiring stories and discussions on story tools that we do on this podcast all the time. All of that's available on the website. Have a great week out there creating your best story and keep up the great work, people. Share the love. Share the love.